0: A couple years ago, uh, before I was here, I was my last assignment in Rockford, and uh, some afternoons, uh, Saturday afternoons, I would go for a long walk throughout the Rockford area, and part of it would take me downtown Rockford. And, and, and Rockford's kind of a, you know, one of those resurgent communities, a lot of things going on that are really good, but there's still some parts of Rockford that are a little bit sketchy. And uh, so I would, and I would walk through some of those areas on my walk. And it was a nice fall day, I remember that. And I was walking down one of the main streets there and I saw down the block, uh, sitting on a, on, a, on a bench, I saw this guy there and he had a shopping cart filled with you know, like big bag, plastic bags filled with stuff. And, and I thought, oh, yeah, he's gonna ask me for money or something. And so I walked. And, Walk by him, and I, and I was also a little bit nervous because I didn't have any money. I mean, I had my wallet with me, but I knew it was empty. So I, I just kind of made a point just to not even look at him, just to walk. And as I was walking by, I said, hey. And I just said, hey. And I just kept walking. Ignored him. And so I got uh, like blocked down, and I stopped. I said, that's just crazy. What's your problem? And, and I felt guilty about it. As I should have, and and so I turned around. Now, before I tell you what happened, let me work. Let's work through some logic here uh, of what that action is: turning around and going back. Let's um, start with the, you know, the first reading, Ezekiel. Um, Ezekiel is is one of the prophets who. Is, is trying to explain how God's working. And God is working this way, as we, as we hear today, that God wants to be the king. That was Israel. one of Israel's biggest problems is they didn't want God to be their king. They wanted a king like everybody else. They wanted a king like the Babylonians and the Egyptians, like the pagans. They had God as their king, but that wasn't good enough. Isn't that silly? God was supposed to be the king. And yet God, in his forbearance and love, said, all right, I'll give you a king. And he gave him Saul, and he was a disaster. But he brought out of that David, who was a a great king. As the scriptures say, after God's own heart. But Ezekiel says, you know, God is the king. Then he also says, David is the king. And then he says, there's only one king. Well, who is it? What is it? If God is the king, fine. That's the one king. But what about David being the king? That's that's two kings. You can't have two. You can only have one. So what is Ezekiel pointing to? Brothers and sisters, God is king, man is king. It's the incarnation. It's the hypostatic union. It is the God-man, Jesus Christ, who is our king. This is what we're about. We can still have God as our king but in this movement what God has done is imbued humanity with unbelievable dignity you and I as Fulton Sheen said you know the human body on its own chemically speaking what we're made of is worth a few bucks but the soul is worth more than the whole universe your soul is more valuable than the whole universe because God has become one of us and he is our king. Amazing. And from this imbued dignity given to us by the God who loves us and gives us his very best, the only thing he can give us that is is like that, himself. He's teaching us. You know, it says... You know, in, 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 the, in the reading, he's talking about what this king is going to do. This king is going to uh, bring together all who are scattered. He's going to feed us. He's going to bind us. He's going to heal us. That's, that's a prophecy as well. This God-man king who imbues us with dignity does so by giving something to us that we need. What is that? Well, we can look at the psalm. We've heard it a million times. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I shall want. He leads me uh, in verdant pastures. Besides, uh, besides waters, he, he gives me repose. He sets the table before me and he anoints me. Brothers and sisters, this is how he heals us. This is how he brings us back together. This is how he binds up our wounds. This is how he feeds us. It's through the sacraments. This song of David that we heard in the psalm is about the sacraments. But you know, the water, the baptism, the, the table, the Eucharist, the anointing, confirmation, and 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 let's say uh, anointing of the sick. God is taking care of us. He's our king. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's imbuing us with his dignity by sharing us, sharing with us his very own life. That's where we get our dignity. That's why our soul is more valuable than the whole universe, because it is filled with God's love, his life. So, and then there's this, this uh, strange word that Paul uses today. He calls it uh, Jesus is the first fruits, the king is, a, is the first fruits. The first fruits is this it was, a, it was a Jewish feast, and it took place the day after Passover. So, Passover is on the, is on the Sabbath. When they celebrate God's deliverance of them from slavery. The first fruits, though, the next day, on Sunday, because the Jewish Passover was Saturday, on Sunday is the first fruits. That's when they celebrated the beginning of the harvest. That's when they celebrated how God had taken care of them. And they reaped the fruit of that care. First fruits. So Jesus is the first fruits. First fruits is Sunday, the Lord's day. The day of the resurrection is first fruits. He gives us the fruit of the resurrection. Right? He says, first fruits, then we partake of it, and then the end. Then the judgment. Brothers and sisters, this is why what Jesus is talking about in the gospel is so vitally important. And this is why we are judged this way. That hungry and you gave me food, thirsty, drink, stranger, welcome, naked, clothed, ill and you care, prison and you visit, corporal works of mercy. But what are these things? These are the things that are mentioned in in the psalm that we read today. These are the things that Ezekiel said the God King was going to do for us. These are our participation in the life of the sacraments that come to us from the first fruits of the resurrection, where we partake of the graces that feed us and baptize us and welcome us into the church and clothe us with the dignity of baptism and and heal us from the wounds and free us from the prison of our sins. It's the sacraments that imbue us with dignity, the sacraments which come as the first fruits of the resurrection, that imbue our, our lives with His life and give us that unbelievable dignity that make our souls worth more than the whole universe. And here's the question, and this is why we're judged on it. Who are we to deprive somebody of that dignity when it is within our power and grasp to offer it? Who are we to walk by somebody and ignore them Who are we to do that? That's why we're judged that way. Now, Bill Nye, the science guy, you ever heard of this guy? Bill Nye, the science guy, uh, he, he knows the science, but he doesn't know his religion, right? And he's an atheist, and he was speaking recently at the uh, American Humanist Association. You know what he said? This is crazy. He said, I'm a speck. I'm a speck and you're a speck. And we're specks uh, with millions of other specks on a speck. On a on a speck a spec that floats amidst all these other specks. Specks that re- re- revolve around uh, a lousy speck in the, in the scheme of things. And here we are, all these specks and specks floating around in this, this cosmos of specks. That's all we are specks. What do you say? Are you a speck? I'm not a speck. Are you a speck. You're not a speck. You're a person who is imbued with the dignity of the living God who gives you the power to live his life and to share it with others. And on this basis, we are saved. So I was walking down the street and I turned around. I didn't want to turn around, but I did. And I, I went and stood next to that guy on the corner, next to his shopping cart. And I had to force myself to sit next to him. I didn't want to sit next to him. And I said, hello. And he said, hi. And I said, I don't have any money. He goes, I didn't ask you for any money. <laughs> I was like, that's right, he didn't. <laughs> I, I said, but I, I, can, I can say a prayer with you. Would you like that? He goes, sure. So we prayed on our Father. And I gave him a blessing. This is blessed Brothers and sisters, Jesus talks about the judgment at the end. Do you know what that is? When we die, we get a particular judgment. We get to see, we, get, we stand there and we, we're accused of our sins. And if we're, if we're on the right end of it, we, we, we get to go to heaven. Right? Now, but at the end, he reconfirms his judgment. It's called the general judgment. You know what happens? Instantaneously, in a second we see this movie of our life. What is this movie? This movie is not just the sins that we got to see at our particular judgment at our death, but how those sins affected everybody else in the whole world till the end of time. We can see how what we did right, made things good for people and how we did things wrong and how we made it bad for folks. So here's an example. I'm driving out of the parking lot here after mass and I'm in a rush and I'm already in a bad mood, but I pull out in front of somebody and cut them off and I know what I did was wrong and I don't care because I'm I'm, I'm about myself and I'm busy. And I drive on and this guy who I cut off now is yelling and he's giving me some gestures and he's got kids in the car and he's, on a bad, he's in a bad mood and he goes home and he takes it out on his wife and his kids and he's ruined his whole day. And maybe he says the wrong thing to one of his kids and then they take that and they interiorize that and that leads them to be uh, in a foul mood or maybe they carry that wound with them to the rest of, for the rest of their lives. Everything we do matters. There's not a thing that we do that doesn't have an effect on somebody else. We think our sins are quiet and private and hidden. No such thing. There's no such thing as a private sin. Everything is seen in God's light. And everything we do affects us. And if it affects us, it affects the people that we affect. So that thing, what I did out there, is going to have a ripple. It's like a stone in a pond and it ripples outwards. And I never even see it. I'm halfway down the street and I've ruined this guy's day. I don't even know it, but you know what? You know when I am gonna know it? When I see the general judgment and the Lord shows me. See what you did? You robbed a person of their dignity in a moment that ripples on through eternity. And you're on for it. So I turned around. And hopefully that one gesture will make up for all the other times that I didn't turn around. Hopefully that one thing will continue to bring to that poor soul's life a measure of his worth. The soul worth more than the whole universe. So, something to think about today when we're driving out of the parking lot. Last thing. Mother Teresa was sitting with one of her friends. A guy, uh, Brother Garen, I think his name is, uh, co-founder of the Catholic Worker Movement with Dorothy Day. And so this Brother Garen and Mother Teresa were friends and they were visiting and they were sitting at a table across from each other. And he said to her mother, you pray and you, you pray a lot, you pray a ton and then you go out and you do all these things and the worst things, you see the worst people, the worst wounds and the worst horrors of the degradation of humanity. How do you do it? Why do you do it? She reached over and she grabbed his hand, picked up his hand, held it in her hand, and then with her other hand, with her finger, she touched each of his fingers as she said, you did it to me.